Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, and we focus on Magic Arena. This week, I've got a brand new guest. Please welcome to the podcast, Stevie. Thanks for having me. All right, so when we start an episode, I like to have the guest self-promote a little bit. Do you have any Twitter or website or, or YouTube or anything that you'd like to promote? I do have a YouTube channel, which is basically my name. Okay, great. I'll put the link also in the show notes so people can check out your your channel. What do you usually like to post there on, on your channel? Usually my interests and hobbies that I enjoy. All right, very cool. So hopefully we can get you some traffic over there and get your numbers growing. Thanks. So how long have you played Magic, any form of Magic in total? I have been playing off and on for like since 2001. Took a long break to focus on other card games. And then when I, you and the gang at school, I picked it up again. And ever since then, three years ago, been playing Magic full time for four years now. Oh, good. So I didn't know you started it in the early 2000s. That's pretty cool. I, I was not playing Magic at that point, but um, uh, that's cool that, that you played it at that point. And then you kind of, you like you said, you stopped for a little while and you came back to Magic. What other card games did you play? I played, started with Pokemon, and then Yu-Gi-Oh!, and then Force of Will, and then Vanguard a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then went back to Yugi for a little and then back to Magic full-time. Oh, that's cool. You came back to the one true game. Yep. <laughs> so how long have you been playing Magic Arena? This is the latest and greatest way to play Magic digitally. So how long, how long have you been on Magic Arena? I've been on it since the beta of last year. Okay, cool. So you've been around it for a little while. You've seen them adding the new cards and the new sets. And there's a new set coming out. Uh, very, very soon. By the time this, this airs, we're, we're going to have already a new set on July 1st. Oh, hard to believe time flies pretty fast. Yeah, when it's digital, they can release it pretty fast. And I don't know if you if you had heard or the listeners had heard, I'm actually going to do a uh, a, a er, an early access streamer event. So on July 1st, me and several other people will be able to play Magic Arena with the latest brand new cards from Corset 2020, previewing it, previewing it before anyone else. That's cool. I'll be sure to watch. Cool. Maybe we can figure out some fun decks. Let's see how many spirits and pirates are in the set, and maybe we'll craft some cool decks. Yeah, hopefully there are pirates and idols in there. Oh, what I've seen is that there actually are dinosaurs in the new Corset 2020. So we'll talk about them a little bit later in the podcast. But yeah, there's dinosaurs to look forward to. What would you say is your skill level in any form of magic? Beginner, intermediate, advanced, somewhere in the middle? I would put myself as a in the middle between beginner and intermediate. Oh, that's cool. There's always something new to learn and new cards and all of that. So I, I think a lot of people feel like they'll never, they'll, they'll never become a pro at magic, right? Right. I think when I, so when I first played, I played way back in the nineties. 
1995 to 1999 or so. And back then, I didn't know how to play very well. I was just playing with my brother and, and a friend, and we didn't fully know how it worked, but we played a little bit. And so I would say I was totally beginner back in the day. And nowadays, after I got back into Magic, when I started to hang out with all of you there, I also felt like, well, I have to be a beginner again because I hadn't played in a long time. But the more that you play, the more you learn the cards. And maybe I'm getting a little bit there into into intermediate. But I don't think I'll ever be advanced at any point because you have to like do tournaments and stuff. Have you ever gone into uh, tournaments in Magic? No, not yet. But I have done a few sneak peeks here and there. Yeah, for like a couple of the latest sets that we... That's cool because I, I never did it until recently. And then so just to let the audience know, we, we were both at the War of the Spark pre-release over at 138 Comics. Rest in peace. Yep. Did you get any good pulls at that um, at that War of the Spark pre-release? At the white goat-looking three-cost commander, which I think was my best pull. That is the wonder... Okay, so that was pretty cool. You you got the Wanderer. That's a pretty mysterious card. Yeah, it's only four casting cost, and it lets you exile anything, huh? Yep. What's funny is, like, it hasn't been revealed who this character is. Do you have any any uh, theory, maybe, about who the character might be? No, not yet. There's just so many characters that, that, uh, that are in the world of magic that it's like, uh, who knows who they are, because uh, there's just such a long history of these characters. And too many, like creatures to keep up with yeah well is there any card at the moment that you really like playing with from any set at the uh, currently on arena my favorite from arena would have to be vraska oh yeah that's that's a lot of good choices there there's a bunch of vraska planeswalker cards out there um so i know you you had the uh, vraska relic seeker that's the one that's uh, six casting cost in total. She creates pirates. She can destroy an artifact or a creature. And remind me again, what is her ultimate ability? Her ultimate is target player's life goes down to one. <laughs> that's so much fun. Like when you get that going on, it's like it's really cool, especially in maybe in a commander game where people have so much life. And then you do the ultimate minus 10 and suddenly they have one life. I think I've actually done that a couple times. I think so, yeah. In a few multiplayer games we've had, people are off doing their thing, and then you are right there slowly bringing her up to 10, and then suddenly, whoops, uh, here's a minus 10 coming right at you. Yep. Um, any other Vraskas you might be interested in putting in a deck in a future? Oh, I also like the effects of Bulgari uh, Queen. Let's see that one. You may sacrifice another permanent. You draw a card. Cool. Destroy a permanent. Cool. Or minus nine. You get an emblem when whenever a creature you control deals damage, that player loses the game. <laughs> well, that's another over-the-top effect, isn't it, about winning? Yeah. I guess because she's a Gorgon, she can totally end the game quickly. Her and Seeker could be sisters. Yeah. Maybe it might be cool to make like a... Uh, a deck that's all Vraska Planeswalkers because the colors are all green and black. That's actually not a bad idea. And then you can put a lot of death touch, death, death touch creatures in there to really get the job done. Yep. What's your favorite deck at the moment that you're playing? My favorite deck at the moment would be Pirates and Dino. Okay, cool. Like, what's a good strategy that you've got in your in your pirate deck? My favorite strategy in my pirate deck is to 
bring out my fast guys like Buccaneers out first and deck hands to get early damage in. Oh yeah, that deck has kind of like a lot of efficient creatures just with like two and three cost, doesn't it? Yep. Do you remember if it has like, what's the biggest casting cost in that deck? Do you, do you remember that? My biggest caster, casting creature in my pirate deck would be casting cost of six. Okay, so while well, you've got all of these lower casting co cost creatures getting out there out of, out of control, you're slowly building up for that big casting cost, and then you've got like a big thing coming out, right? And plus I specialize on many different ways to summon treasure for whenever I draw Vraska out. There's a brand new card coming out in Corset 2020. Some sort of dragon, I think, rapacious dragon. Unfortunately... Uh, it's not a pirate, but it's a dragon. But when it gets summoned, it actually makes treasure. That's actually not a bad ability. So, rapacious dragon, it's a 5 casting cost, it's a 3-3, three, three, it's flying. But when it enters the battlefield, it makes 2 treasures. Mm, that's not bad. Mm -hmm. So you said you had a second deck, a dinosaur deck? How does how does that one work? Um, it's just a made-for-fun deck, pretty much. What's the dinosaur in that one that stands out? I like my three-coster that whenever he attacks, he taps the taps a creature. Territorial Hammer Skull, yep. When it attacks, it taps another creature. And the art is really fun on that. It uh, It's basically a little dinosaur punching a big dinosaur right in the stomach. And that other dinosaur is like totally freaking out. So would you say that maybe Ixalan is one of your favorite blocks because it's got the dinosaurs and pirates? Pretty much. When I got back into magic, I liked the Amonkhet block, which was including Hour of Devastation and Amonkhet, and that one was like an Egyptian-themed. So I thought that was really interesting that they had done an Egyptian-themed set. Do you ever remember playing with those cards? No. Was that before Ixalan set? Yeah, it was one right before Ixalan. That must have been a little bit before I got back into it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It was it was uh, a few years ago, so it must have been, yeah, before before you got back into it with Exelon. Yeah, because the latest, the latest set that I have before Exelon was Fate Unfolded or something like that. Oh, yeah, Fate Reforged? Yeah, that one. That one had, like, a lot of dragons and things, I think, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it had dragons and merfolks. Hmm, okay. So now that you've been playing Arena for a little while, since the beta last year, uh, what would you say you had like a cool or funny or weird moment that comes to mind? And one of the few times I had a pretty good lead where like my opponent's internet randomly got kicked them out before they could continue. <laughs> oh, really? Like the, the app disconnected or something? Yep. And I got automatic wins from that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been able to do the uh, the, the combo of like uh, equipping your your departed deck hand with any equipments? I equip my departed deck hand with the kite card a few times. Yeah, the the kite sail. Uh, what's that called? Yeah, something. Oh yeah, cobbled wings. So now you've got an unblockable flying spirit pirate. But wait a minute, that's kind of funny. I would assume that most. Uh, spirits would fly automatically, but this one doesn't. You have to also put it on the cobbled wings. Yep, that's right. Hmm. 
So one card that I've enjoyed uh, on Arena is Captivating Crew. This might be one that you might want to put in your pirate deck. It's a it's a red card. It's a four casting cost pirate. And my pirate deck is basically red blue to begin with. Yeah, so I think this pirate might work well here. So it's a 4-3, so it does a good amount of damage, 4 damage. But then what it can do is if if you pay 4 mana, 3 and then 1 red, you can gain control of your opponent's creature until end of turn. So basically you convince your opponent's creature to join your uh, your your pirate ship for 1 turn. That's not a bad ability. Yeah, the only problem it's it's rare, so you know it's it's a little harder to get because it's rare. But once you once you have the wild cards on arena, you can definitely uh, put put that in your deck. And uh, I would recommend it if you think about improving or upgrading your your pirate deck, your red blue pirates. Uh, think about that card. I definitely will. One of the decks that I'm enjoying playing at the moment is it's a black and blue deck that mostly focuses on. War of the Spark cards, and I do a lot of amassing. So that's the one where you can create these zombie armies. Um, yeah, I like this this deck. It's black and blue. It's focused on uh, doing the, the, the fun thing that I like to do in my decks. Do you remember what's, when I play black or blue, do you remember what's my favorite thing to do in those colors? My favorite thing to do is to either destroy players hands or feel <laughs> exactly so that's what this deck is about because i have uh there's this character uh ashiok dream renderer that i have in this deck what ashiok does is um has the minus ability target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard and then you exile their whole graveyard that's not bad for one cost yeah, exactly. And you can do it up to five times. So that's basically half of their deck. Yeah, it can really, really add up. If you don't deal with this with this Planeswalker, Ashiok will definitely wreck their deck. So I've got that card in there. I also have Obnixilus the Hate Twisted. So this is the one that... Okay, so I like to destroy things uh, from their hand or, or library and also things from their, uh, from their field. So Obnixilus... Uh, this is a five loyalty and with a minus two destroy target creature. Uh, but the funny thing is that I destroyed your creature and then it gives you two cards. But whenever you draw a card, it deals one damage. That's a pretty heavy payback. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here's a free card, but it's going to damage you. So I think like a uh, a cool, fun, weird moment is when this... Uh, when this deck that I built works, it never works, but when this deck works, it's so amazing. It's a deck that focuses on Revel in Riches. I think you were in the uh, in the live stream when I was trying to make it work. Remember, it was, yeah. a, it was a pirate deck. Yeah, so I was trying to make treasures, but it wasn't working. And I was getting upset because I'm way too serious about it. But it's just a game, so it's not it's not too much to be serious about. That is true. So whenever that game, uh, whenever that deck, works if i can get 10 treasures uh i win the game automatically but it hasn't been able to work just because it's hard for me to make treasures how do you find yourself making treasures easier well with my power deck i put i made sure to put lots of creatures like low-cost creatures when they get summoned they uh summon treasure and also well, with the same concept with the spell 
Mm-hmm. Low casting cost creatures. Yeah, like Sailor of Means. That one makes treasure when it enters. Uh, so yeah, definitely I need to retune that Revel in Riches deck a little bit because I don't feel like I've been able to get treasures fast enough to, to win with it. Now, if you consider yourself towards in the middle or so between basic and intermediate experience, what would you say is some advice that you would give people getting brand new into magic? I would say, just like any or other card games you might have experienced with, don't play it too seriously and just have fun. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think I sometimes I do take it a little too seriously, especially when I stream because like everyone's watching and I want to do it like uh, perfectly and win really well. But, you know, it's just a game and we're all here to have fun on the stream and chat. When you first started, maybe what would you have liked to learn early on or what would you have liked to have someone tell you early on to get better at magic? When I started magic, I wish I had like people to tell me like, what type of deck ideas there were out there to, like, construct decks around. Yeah, that, that would have been good because there's just so many cards out there. There's thousands of cards. And as a beginner, I guess you just play with the cards that you have. But if someone would be out there to kind of guide you and tell you this is what kind of cards exist and types of decks, that would have been helpful, I think. Yes, it would have. So when I started off, I think I would have liked to have known also that even though there's a lot of rules, one of the ways that you play and that you learn is just to have fun and sort of feel things around a little bit. And you're going to make mistakes, but that's okay because other people can help you just get better. One thing I noticed too, between the differences of all the different carging communities I've been a part of, I really appreciate the magic community the most because they're really hopeful, like towards beginner players on starting on their collection. Well, that's great. Uh, That's great to hear that. Yeah, people are very helpful here. And I like to also, whenever I can, help people. Sometimes I give lands, uh, a couple of lands if people are missing it, or just try to help out because uh, the more people that are playing, the, the more better. Now, is there anything that you would say that you would like to improve about Magic, like the game itself or the community or the company or, or just any, any ideas on maybe improving Magic? I think one thing I would like to see improve in Magic would be like more fun modes to play with. Mm-hmm. Like less competitive ones or like just playing in different ways? or what Yeah, like just playing in different ways. And hope to see more unstable sets in the future. Oh, yeah, unstable. So I'm going to be going to San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm going to try to see if I can meet uh, Mark Rosewater, the guy that uh, works on Magic, and I'm going to definitely tell him, hey, we need more unstable. Oh, he's the guy who came up with that format? Yeah, exactly. He, Him and his crew, he was the main guy. He's the one that came up with it. That's pretty creative. Yeah, he's got a podcast that I like to listen to, and he's always talking about different parts of the game, and he did a podcast all about explaining Unstable. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll send you a link to his to his episodes, and you can check him out, because it's really cool to hear from his point of view how Unstable was made. Please do. Mm-hmm. I think I would, uh, I would agree on that about, like, different ways to play. That might be a cool way to, to improve magic. Um... 
I, I think uh, the company overall is doing magic uh, pretty well, but there's always more to do. And uh, I think that'll, that'll be a way to go. I completely agree with you there. On the other side, if you could narrow it down, what is one thing that you love about magic? I would say the awesome community. Yeah, there's a lot of people uh, that play it and it's, Pretty cool that we have a, a community that we can play on a regular basis over over at the club, isn't it? Yeah. How many people would you say that we've got there that are like magic, into magic in the club? I would say around, if I were to get between 12 people. That's a good amount because then we can play a bunch of different games. You know, James is really into Commander. And then when we had a game with Joseph, we, we did a fun Commander game there too. And then we've got... Oh, Gabe. Gabe is starting to come into play a few more times, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So I love about that. I love that about magic as well, that it can just kind of bring a lot of people together. And I'm always trying to just get more people involved in the game. And I think sometimes giving free cards or free decks really, really helps. I agree. Now, even though um, uh, magic is amazing, I guess there's other hobbies to have. So what would you say is one non-magic hobby that you're into? My fav- my favorite non-magic hobby I love is to practice my 3D art. Oh yeah, what what software is that that you use to do 3D art with? Um, the free open source program called Blender. And how how long have you been using Blender? For about eight months, eight nine months mm-hmm. now. So are you at the point yet where you can make your own 3D rendered Raska yet? Not yet. And then mostly mm-hmm. environment settings, just a beginner at character modeling. Mm-hmm. Does Blender let you do stills or also like motion? It could do both, stills and motion. Oh, okay, I, I hope you upload some uh, some stills or some, uh, some motion 3D graphics to your YouTube at some point. Trust me, I got plans for that. Oh, cool. Sure. So for myself, I'm uh, really also into comic books. Um, I've had a collection since I was little, and I really like uh, Spider-Man. I still have my original Spider-Man comics when I was young. I still read the the latest Spider-Man comics and uh, just a bunch of different variety of of comics. I I bought the other day, I bought the... um, uh, the latest issue of The Walking Dead. Uh, do you ever watch The Walking Dead TV show? I did a long time ago, but stopped like midway of season four, and then like to the jail area. Oh, that was a pretty enjoyable season. Um, so on the uh, on the comic books on this latest one, issue one hundred and ninety-two. Do you want me to reveal some massive spoilers, or do you do you not want to hear these spoilers? You could go ahead and do spoiler. Okay, so this is for the audience. If the audience, if you don't want to hear spoilers for the comic book, you need to close your ears. So here's what's going on in issue 192. The main character, Rick Grimes, is killed. So that was pretty shocking because he's been in the show since issue... I mean, he's been in the comics and in the show since the very first one. And now 192 episodes, mm-hmm. he has died. And it's his son, Carl, who is the main character now. That sounds actually pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool how they've evolved it from like one character into another, like the next generation, the younger generation. When are they have plans to turn that into a series? 
Oh yeah, maybe maybe they could have it as a as another spin-off series and another sort of uh version of The Walking Dead, yeah. So that's my other hobby. I'm also into comics, reading and collecting and um I actually just bought a uh, kind of a valuable comic from eBay. It was a signed copy of Albedo Number no. One. This is a comic book from 1983. That is way before my time. <laughs> it was before my time too, but I, I wanted to go back and get an old book because I, I check out eBay once in a while to check out prices of things, and this one was at a really good price, and it was issue number one, and it was signed by the creator. And I'm like, uh, that's a good price. I I, I want to try to bid for it. And my bid won, and I finally got it. Oh, that's pretty lucky. Yeah, sometimes you're not lucky at all on eBay because other people have more money or they bid faster or whatever. But I got lucky this time. So would you like to take one more moment to promote anything that you'd like? Where would where can people check you out online? You, you can check me out on YouTube. Do you have any plans on streaming your magic playing at any time? Possibly in the near future. Do you have any plans on doing um, any any uh, magic-related, like, how-to videos or anything? I haven't thought of that until now. Yeah, that might be cool to do at some point, just getting different perspectives on uh, on how to play. Thanks for the idea. Oh, you're welcome. Well, as we wind down the podcast... Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Stevie. Thank you for having me as a guest. Hope to have you on a future episode as well when we get some new cards to talk about. I would be glad to be here. So as for myself, people can check me out on Twitter. I'm on twitter.com slash vmcampos. I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. You've got to put the JR in there because someone else took vmcampos and he doesn't even use it. So I want that other account. I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. I have various tiers there. People subscribe for $1. They'll get access to some of the exclusive videos and content that I create. Or if they subscribe for the $2, I will actually mail people vintage magic cards from back in the day. Uh, No, not a Black Lotus. But besides that, people can find me online. And I'm streaming every Saturday on YouTube, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Pacific time. This has been VM Campos. And Stevie Roder. And I'll see you in the arena.